Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ida Rodriguez, and welcome to another episode of Truth Serum. Um, I want to say thank you to all of you who have been showing up. Uh, yesterday, we had two amazing shows, and today is no less. We're closing out the week, um, empowered and talking to voices and the people who show up and show out, not just in comedy, but in the education space and in the advocacy space. And in the spaces that uh, you tell us to stay out of because we're stand-up comedians, so many of you will, are bold enough to tell me to just stick to the jokes. I'm bringing on some of my uh, comedian colleagues who actually have the expertise in other areas and they don't just have to stick to jokes. And I want to know what you're going to say to them. Um, anyway, I want to say thank you to all of you who've been sharing, who've been, um, our numbers have been growing, people have been showing up and we can't do it without you. This is a, a space where people of color gather to have conversations about the issues that affect us from a social perspective, a political perspective, and a, an everyday perspective where we own our voices and we talk about those things um, that you need to hear. So uh, without further ado, I want to get the show started. Um, I'm not stripping. You know, Terry Crews is trying to take my job because he's trying to boycott uh, Magic City. But um, I want to... Uh, <laughs> We're going to talk about all the things, including that, that you heard this week. So uh, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to bring Ambria Allen to the stage, the Truth Serum stage. Hi, Ambria and Dewan Brown. What's up, y'all? So uh, Ambria is a, a writer. She's a stand-up comedian. She's also an academic. And I look up to her because I think that her comedy is very funny and smart and, and informed. And it doesn't lose its funny for being smart and informed. And that's important. So I'm glad that she's joining me. And then Dewan, who uh, periodically likes to set me on fire sometimes, like some of the commentary that he has. Someone that I respect greatly as well. We have early morning conversations and debates. And that is how you grow is when you're able to have a conversation with somebody who does not feel like you and is willing to have a conversation with you. He is the host of Hotep-ish, and also an advocate for uh, mental wellness for young people. And I think that is very important for us to have these conversations. So welcome, Duan. Thank you for having me on, Ida. No, I'm What's glad. Up, good to see you. Hey, good to see you too. Um, I want to start off by first and foremost, asking the corny question that everybody asks when you get on a Zoom or StreamYard is, how have you been doing during this uh, pandemic? How are, how are you taking care of yourselves? And how are you maintaining your sanity with all that's going on? Um, Ambria, I'll start with you. Um, the, the top of the quarantine was great for me. I mean, personally, outside of the external chaos and obviously all the sad um, and unsettling news. But as a person who is introverted, to have time to not be accountable to anybody else um, and to not and to have like uh, you know, the mayor tell me I don't have to go visit people like, mom, I can't go down there. I can't I can't help you all with none of this stuff. The government has said no um, was a nice change of pace for me to focus on doing nothing, um, yeah. which um, black women very rarely have the opportunity to do to to, to do nothing. Um, and even in doing nothing, you're still working on your stuff, but you're working on your stuff. Um, so that was a brief moment and that was a privilege because most people are not in a position to be able to do that. Um, outside of that, um, 
working on my own, um, my writing, uh, you're, you know, kind of trying to craft your own jokes and material despite not being able to get on stage. Yeah. Um, and also filtering all of the stuff that I consume was something I had to learn because particularly in this space where all we, all we are doing is turning to turning inward to like consuming social media and all the, the television and film, like, uh, you know, to a certain degree, it's great. And then it's like, you know, maybe I need to, uh, filter some of this. So that's been a little give and go, but outside of that, it's been nice to be accountable to me. Um, yeah. Zawan. Man, I've been, I, I've been having fun doing this quarantine, man. Like <laughs> yes. I swear, like me and the wife been hanging out. We've been chilling. Yeah. I've been reading. I've been learning. I've been growing. Like, like what Ambria said, we've been told to go to our rooms. Yeah. And you, when, when you were put on punishment as a kid, you had two options. Screw off even more and do more of what got you in trouble in the first place or figure out what you did wrong, go inside, learn something new and come out with a whole new thing. And so that's what I'm doing. Like, I'll be using this time like to grow, like learn, take little online classes, uh, go like travel in, within the state, like road trip, you know, and just it's, it's been it's been great for me because um one of the keys to mental health is to self-care. And self-care is one of the primary proactive things you can do to stay in a good mental space. Because people tend to talk mental health once you're already depressed, down and out, pissed off, angry, want to fight the world. Yeah. The best way to avoid that is to don't get there at all, man. Just have fun and look at the positive and turn that damn news off. Check in with the news, see what's up. That's what I've been doing. Oh, news saying, oh, that many people died today? Okay, whatever. That's what's up, man. Salute to y'all. I'm sorry, you know. Condolences to the family. Then back to your life. That's what I've been doing. It's really sad that it took a pandemic to get people to the place of nor normal functioning. And it's still not normal because yeah. it's only normal because it's happening, it's happening alongside a tragedy, which is very American, <laughs> like we can only achieve like things that we should, self-care, time, reading, baking, cooking, spending time with friends and family because there is an economic and public health crisis. It's just, it's wild. It's bizarre. You know, it's funny that looking at it uh, through the lens of people of color, when people, Americans are like, Oh my God, look what, ha what has happened to America. Those <laughs> of us that grew up in communities and, and no matter how much privilege, how much education, how much money you've had, you still are in proximity to the struggle of being a person of color, which people seem to always think that it disappears when you are, you know, you have a better job or whatever. It's just, for me, it's been a, a relief to see white people struggle. <laughs> and, I, and I, don't, I don't mean it from a, it's just it, because I think sometimes that through that struggle is where you gain some empathy for people that you have never really seen. And I know that it sounds insensitive, but it's when you see the cops pushing a white person down and knocking them on the ground, as horrible as it is, mm -hmm. it gives them an opportunity to see abuse to someone who is a reflection of them and yep. it creates something in them, you know, and so... For me, I've been like watching and I'm like, you know, when I hear white people like, this is outrageous. I'm like, welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> This 
this party been going on for a long time, bro. And it also highlights that they know they actively knew that they've been exempt from this type of behavior mm -hmm. because, of, because of their whiteness. When you see that happening, you go, oh my God, I can't be believe it's happening. He's white. Mm -hmm. You're always operating. Like, you know, you implicitly know. So I don't be giving people no, I'll give you room to get your shit together, but you can't act like you didn't on some level, you weren't aware of the fact that this was happening. So yeah. I'm I with you. I'm with you 100% because I, I my doctrine is this. Either we're all going to equally be comfortable or we're all going to be equally uncomfortable. Yeah. So seeing people get uncomfortable, to me, like, that's funny as hell because, like, and it's funny because all this is going on during the quote-unquote Black Lives Matter movement time and stuff like that. But you very rarely hear Black men like me get the chance to speak up and talk about our fears and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, as a look, I'm 6'2, 330. At my heaviest, I was through I was 400. So I know literally what it feels like to feel like the boogeyman every day. It's like, look, homie, I'm just coming to the Cheesecake Factory to get some buffalo to get some to get some of them wings and, 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 a, and a strawberry lemonade. I ain't coming to kill you. But <laughs> having people give me that look every time I walk into a space and that fear. And now I see them walking around. They're scared of a virus. They're scared of this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wear your mask, homie. <laughs> you so this is true. I love it. True to walk like they were, you know, they were showing clips of um, folks leaving the RNC last night being harassed. Yeah, I saw that. Terror of just minding your business mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. People of color, black people. Every day you be my business and at any given time you could feel that terror for no reason at all. You know, <laughs> I think that that's, I don't wish that upon anybody, but if that's what it takes for you to understand what, what it feels like to be terrorized, then maybe now that, that, that had happened to force you into empathy. Like you said, mm -hmm. yeah, I thought it was funny that like all one of the, uh, one of those people had to do to be egregious in that moment was take their mask off and cough on it. <laughs> <laughs> All over Rand Paul's face. And <laughs> I'm home scared for two weeks. You know, I was just like, what a weapon at this, right? Because you do be like two weeks where you be nervous. Like, shit, they say the incubation period, 14 days. I don't trust the CDC. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it could be, you never know. That's and funny. So I wanted to talk about these things because I, I think that I have a lot of guests that come on here and that a lot of them have political perspectives, but I love talking to comedians because I think comedians, the good ones, are the smartest people on the planet that they can mm -hmm. process this stuff for the, the masses and then give it to them in forms of humor so that they can digest it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about coronavirus because I you just said it. Um, and a lot of people will send me messages saying, you know, this isn't real. This is part of them trying to get rid of part of the population, like all of the theories. And for me is I don't trust the government with how they treated me prior to coronavirus. So I don't trust any of it. Like, so when I see the CDC and I see Fauci and I see Trump and I see Pelosi, I don't trust any of them. So I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to be on alert 
because we don't trust these people. Like, right? So let's let's start it because I want to hit the topic. So I want to I want to talk about coronavirus and I want to hear what both of you have to say about it because I've been watching you on social media and um, I follow and consume your content because I think it's interesting and it, it makes me laugh. Dewan, <laughs> I want to hear. I'm anxious. Dewan no, is the main one starting all the shit. <laughs> I already know because if you're walking into Cheesecake Factory to get their wings and lemonade and you done bypass all of the 3,000 bomb things they have on the on the menu to get the wings and cheesecake, you're a particular person. Hey, so, sometimes I just go for the happy hour. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes I just go for the happy hour. I'll never hear nobody talk about Cheesecake Factory. The Buffalo Blast? Come on, man. You got to get them. They call them blasts? Yeah, the Buffalo Blast. See, I judge places by how they name their food. And I don't <laughs> that, that sound like a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> oh, but, but go ahead. When it comes to coronavirus, look, I, I'm... This, the, the, this country and its history when it comes to medical issues and when it comes to black people, um, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust any of what the government says. I don't trust any of what the news says. I don't necessarily buy uh, all the, the, the quote-unquote conspiracy theories either, you know? It's like we live in a time where they throw everything against the wall and you have to use your... You have to trust yourself to know what to read, what to follow, what to give energy to, what to ignore... I do believe the virus is real. Hell yeah, I believe the virus is real. I do believe it affects people. Um, how it's passed, how it's distributed, how to protect yourself. Um, what they put out on the news, I don't necessarily a, a, a go with it all. I notice they ignore a lot of things. Like on one hand, they'll say, okay, UV rays have been known to kill viruses on cell phones when you put them in a UV ray dispenser. But they won't. So my logic tells me, okay, if the UV, if the UV ray dis- machine it's killing a virus on the phone. Okay, then what if I step outside and get some of the suns you you be raised? Will that also help kill it? Y'all not telling me, y'all, y'all not saying anything about the health stuff. It's just so much going on. I think it's the people need to trust themselves. This is a great time, like you said, Ida. We're this we're alone, like we're back in our homes. While we're home, while we're not out in public, while we're not bombarded by entertainment and all these other things. This is a great time, I think, just to get in contact with yourself. Get in contact with uh, the inner voice inside of you that you know is real, that you have been trained and taught to ignore. And I think that's what you have to really listen to. Take precautions. You know what I mean? Don't be no fool. But at the same time, you can't listen to every little thing they say because I don't trust. Read the book Medical Apartheid, goddammit. And then tell me if I'm BSing. Yep. It's so true. I mean, I think everybody had the conspiracy theory thought, which I can't blame nobody in the context of the U.S. is shady medical history, particularly with black people and people of color more generally. Fine. Even if it is a conspiracy, like, I don't know what part of it they think is the conspiracy theory because we have the effects now. <laughs> like, even if you thought it was a test tube or it's a, you know, it originated here, like, people are dying. We see the effects. So the consequences of it are real, no matter how it originated. Mm-hmm. And I think we can spend all day talking about the origin. Everything in terms of health always affects Black people and people of color worse. You know, a, a COVID is no different. Uh, heart disease, just stress in general. It's, it's a, I'm more likely to pass the fuck out at 55 than, you know, the white bitch that I work with. 
everything, every little thing, every health indicator is here to kill us or is designed or society is designed in such a way um, that we encounter and cope with more stressors um, to our health that result in, in, in um, disproportionate death rates for black people. So COVID is no different to me um, in that regard, conspiracy theory or not. Um, now, dealing with your people has been an interesting thing. Your family, I'm still trying to get them to wear masks consistently, put it over your nose, like wear it or, or, or just don't, don't half-ass it. You know what I mean? Like who puts a condom on halfway? Like let's, 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 let's comply or not. Um, that's been the struggle for me is like getting the people around me to arm themselves um, or at least do the things that we, that science has shown um, that, that are preventative. So that's been, you know, cause black people got their own theory of what's going on and they want to be and do how they want. And part of that is because they feel like, well, shit, if everything is against me, this little, this little COVID ain't, and it's like, actually it's. <laughs> that's the absolute truth. You know, it's funny. Somebody was talking to me about it and giving me these scientific facts and listen, the thing is, they, they were like, well, the flu, the flu. I, I don't know 10 people who died of the flu, but I know 10 people who died of this COVID, right? And 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 people that I confirmed that had COVID, because I know that they probably are misdiagnosing, and I know that there are some inconsistencies with what's happening within the medical field, because that's all part of the game too, right? So, But people that I know that had these respiratory problems, that they had these blood clots that are a result of this specific strand of this flu, yeah. it, um, it's, you know, it's a mess because we are always at the intersection of what, what is happening and the reality of how it affects us. And mm -hmm. so we got we always got to, to do this like, you know, we got to shield ourselves from all directions because it is, it, you know, it is a part of the design to annihilate us. And I don't, I don't think people really understand how real that is. Um, I want to jump over to the election because I know that a lot of us have been talking about it. Um, we have some very distinct point of views here. I know, I know Dewan has a very, very clear attitude towards the, the you know, the political parties. And um, the RNC took place this week. <laughs> you know, everybody laughed, right? The, it felt, I'm not trying to be funny. It felt like a circus. <laughs> and, and I, it, was it me alone that I was like, I really feel like nobody insults uh, Trump supporters more than Trump and his administration, right? They really undermine their intelligence where they do some of the stupidest shit and be like, watch them, watch them, watch them. They're going to fall for it. They, that RNC, all it needed was the music, the ring, the ringling Barnum and Bailey music behind it. <laughs> what did you, what did y'all think? Did you watch any of it? I, I thought, look, I thought both of them were equally bad circuses, DNC and the RNC. They were both, they were, they were terrible. <laughs> the Republicans, they had these people they had they 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 were basically uh parading around people that that are like basically openly racist like look join our party if you want to be openly racist like them you know what i mean and on the other hand the democrats put out billy porter like what, what was that like well, that that singing like what are you doing like he can't sing like at least get somebody that can sing and act and put him out there or something like that like the democrats 
Not only did they have that BS convention, right before that convention, the, the presidential nominee interview with Cardi B, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm cool. I'm tired of, I'm, like, I'm tired of when it comes to black people. Like, we, we need to stop acting like the Democrats are any better. Because when it comes to us, they don't bring our scholars. We have authors, we have scholars, we have scientists, we have researchers, we have everything every other community has when it comes to answering the questions in politics and race. But what do the Democrats do? They bring on actors and entertainers. Get the F out of here. All that crap is a dog and pony show. And it was all funny as hell to me. Let's make that clear. I laughed real good at both conventions. I like that your critique is Billy Porter. <laughs> Four days, it was like, and you brought Billy goddamn Porter. I mean, like, it's like, it's like anytime they bring him out, it's like, okay, here we go again. All right. Y'all, him, Terry Crews, they're all the same. They're all the same. Why are they the same? Why is Terry Crews the same as Billy Porter? Because ain't neither of them talking about shit. Ain't neither of them providing uh, solutions. And they both are very, they're both individuals who were hurt by people within their family that they're projecting onto the rest of society. And I'm not here for it. I think we all are reflections of pain. But we have to know how to separate our personal pain from what society says. And if you don't know how to do that, then just don't let let the smart people talk. You're an actor. Chill. They got smart actors. We're smart. They do. But the yeah. smart actors, they're afraid to talk. The smart ones don't talk. No, but I'm saying people tell us to shut up and tell jokes. You know what I tell them? Then I can go ahead and debate them one on one and I can shut them. I don't mind them telling me to shut up because then I can come back at them and make them feel bad. I'm tired of people. We, 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 we highlight the wrong people in our society. When I'm hearing about race, when I'm hearing about politics, I want to talk to the people who study that. Dr. Claude Anderson is still alive. He wrote the first affirmative action plan in 1970 in the state of Florida, but y'all don't put him on camera and you got some, you got LeBron James and athletes and you, you talking to them, but you're not talking to our scholars. Come on now. We have plenty, Sandy Darity. We got plenty of scholars out there. Talk to them. Yeah, I think it should happen in in concert, right? It should be it should be an inclusive space. I think the problem is is when we go to celebrities solely to be the voice of like policy and you know all of these things that do require complex decision making, um, critical thinking. And it's not to say that they don't have opinions and that they're not smart, but it's like we should really enlist the help of folks who, who do this work. And I know that as a, as somebody who was in a PhD program, I was busting my ass, like read all these books, write all these papers, produce a dissertation. And I was doing this right at the time where they was just giving niggas books, giving bitches books. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the thing. Yes. If you can be a bestseller, then why the hell am I engaging in all of this rigor to try to produce something that I feel like can stand the test of like the canon of knowledge. And it's not to say that all that shit is right either, but it's like, I think we're in an interesting time where it's like, what are facts? What is reputable? What can we believe? And who, and, and it feels like we're just in a time where it's like, well, we subscribe to whoever ideologically or whatever makes us feel good or aligns with what we already think. Um, which I think is one of the most dangerous parts of, of the Trump thing. And that's what I was thinking about watching the DNC and watching the RNC was like, people are watching the RNC going, yeah. You know what I mean? They're going, this is it. 
these all these motherfuckers in here yelling. This is my bread and butter, and I believe what they're saying. Those same people watch the DNC the same way I watched the RNC. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is real? What is fact? Who can we believe? And how do we get back to like facts? What is real? What can you believe? Because everybody be lying. You know yeah. what I mean? Every party be lying. It's just how do you lie? And who's a little bit closer to, you know, the truth, even though that is. That's up in the air as well. Um, yeah, you know, I uh, I feel I feel like um, the gaslighting is happening at every turn. Yeah. Um, I I personally don't value CNN more than I do Fox News because I think they're both you know cable networks with personalities who are telling people you know like I, I had Richard Fowler on here yesterday and he's on Fox News and I told him explain the difference between the personalities and the actual journalists because people be people are listening to these. Sean Hannity's and, you know, Rachel Maddow, they're not journalists. They are just paid for their professional uh, opinions. Yep. So it's very confusing to people because a, a lot of us, you know, some of us don't have the benefit of a post-secondary education and, and, and degrees, and they, they, we still have a right to vote. And so, yep. so many people who are, are, they're just confused about the platforms. So when I, I, I want to ask you, what are some of the ways that we can empower our people with information since they're not getting it from the, the devices that are handing out information? How do we get the information to our people so that they can make informed decisions about not just the, the national election, which is whatever, because our lives don't change drastically, no matter who's in office as people of color, because they've been fucking us forever, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we change our local habitat? Because that, that's yeah. the superintendent, the sheriff, like those people who are affecting us daily. How do we get information to them um, in, in ways that they can digest it and they can process and they can use it? Yeah, it's that's a hard question. To your point about news, um, I remember when I was traveling and like I remember just turning the news on. I don't remember. I think I was in uh, Spain and I was listening to the news. And they were like, you know, 10, 10 Thai boys are stuck in a cave, right? And that was it. And then it was like the pro the British prime minister is introducing a bill, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, that's that's just how they do news. Not to say this, their news isn't without flaws, but I was like, well, where's the part where they bring in 10 people and they come tell all their opinions and, and that's a segment. Like, where's that part? They just, you know, it would just be someone like, the prime minister will introduce the bill to shut down the government. In other news, you know, it's like, they just give you the news. Yes. We don't do that here. And no. I say that as someone who used to be a contributor. And there was one day I looked up, I was like, I'm really just on here giving my opinion. Like, why should anybody the only people who are going to follow or believe me are the people who already think ideologically like me. So it's like, how do we get to a stripped down, just the facts? For the people in my circle, it's what I do, particularly with my parents, friends, is, is um, try to eliminate the bullshit. So going in their email accounts, unsubscribing them from trash, um, showing them like, this is a fake ad on Facebook, mom. Like, this is how you recognize, like giving them the tools to do it themselves because I can't, at the end of the day, be responsible for everything they consume. But I think it's 
trying to give people the tools to try to do some of that analysis themselves. What, what I do, I'd like to just get down into the truth of what things really are. We have to remember uh, something that happened a couple years ago. Fox News changed his name to uh, Fox News and Entertainment. Mm -hmm. They're literally telling you what they are in their title, their entertainment. Um, and, and we have to also know that for Fox News to be so anti-Muslim, the, the second biggest investor is a Muslim, for them to be so anti-Obama, they invested the second most to his campaign. So it's all a game. It's all a sham. Yeah. We have to know that we're in a game and the information we live in a type of the society that a bunch of stuff is thrown against the wall and our media as evidenced by Operation Mockingbird. You look all this stuff up. You know, it is propaganda um, and the most intelligent form of propaganda is controlled opposition. So when you see the fight between CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, it's all controlling the conversation to a small, very narrow, limited point of view that reaffirms what the listener already thinks. Yeah. So we have to understand that and know, know that the information is now on YouTube. The information is with Ida Rodriguez. The information is on the Young Turks. The information is with the Black Channel. The information is with people like me. And, um, and, and it's people out there. We have to know as people, we have to go back to the grapevine. We, like, we, we've, we've gotten used to just being consumers to where we're told what to think, how to think. We have to know that we can't allow anyone to tell us what goes on inside this head. We have to know for ourselves. We have to research for ourselves. We have to see for ourselves. Put your news up that you're reading against other news sources. Yes. Read, read international news. Um, know that if, a, if there's a lot of attention being placed at one thing, take a step back and see the whole picture. You know, and these are all things that we have to take upon ourselves. I think one thing this coronavirus is teaching us overall with everything is we all, every person out there listening has to go back to trusting themselves. Everyone has to go back to discerning things for themselves um, because we don't know what's out there. But your gut, no, when you listen to truth, that shit vibrates in your stomach like a punch to the gut. You know what you hear when it's real. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing. We have to get back to having trust in ourselves and trust and trusting one another because our own best friend to tell us something that's real and we won't believe it until the news we know be lying say it so <laughs> we gotta rethink this whole thing that's really what that's kind of what my, my point of view when it comes to it i want to talk uh I, I i you know like i said we do it we cover the headlines terry cruz has been trending a lot right terry <laughs> trending for so many reasons terry cruz you know first the 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 turn of the the tide when it came to terry cruz was the me too movement because terry said that terry had been um inappropriately groped in the presence of his wife by an agent, a top agent in the industry. But now, I mean, it's it's evolved into uh, something else happening. And I, I'm looking at it from the perspective of mental health, because I think that a lot of times you see people's issues play out in social media. And so the last one was boycott Magic City, preserve Black love or Black love matters. I, I don't remember exactly what the way the hashtag went, but um, I wanted to know what you thought about what was going on. Cause you know, I've seen Terry Crews has praised me, he's come to shows. I've seen him, you know, I met him with his wife. He's been always very, you know, he was always very cool to me. And it feels like this is a whole different Terry Crews from the one that I met before. And so I wanted to know what happens when, what you think when you see Terry Crews trending again, 
And what what do you think about what he said about Magic City? Uh, yeah. Um, when I see Terry Crews trending, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Because I know it ain't gonna be nothing pop, nothing good. <laughs> and so, like, I hear what he's saying as far I, Terry Crews. Look, I don't want to just all down you. I hear what you're saying as far as you know, strip clubs and the family, but that is so far down the line that we, you know, that is like. We are in LA and you're talking about flying to Venezuela and we ain't got on the plane yet. Yeah. <laughs> Terry Crews to me is just is someone who it seems as if he's um just looking for the approval. He wants to be liked, he wants to be loved, and he's trying everything he can, and he just he's he's just confused. And that's all when I, when I see Terry Crews' name, I just think confusion. Amber, you take over. I don't know what the hell. I don't know specifically what he said about strip clubs. Yeah, he said he said boycott Magic City. Um, black love matters. Okay. I think, and this is a tricky argument because Ida, you know what it's like to have people tell you stick to what you do. You have no expertise. But I think if you wade into deep water where there are multiple complicated issues, you're talking about black families black love and relationships and somehow linking it to the strip club as if black people are the only people who go to strip club. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very uh, convoluted argument. I find most of his arguments convoluted and it's like, this is your opinion, but it, most of what he says just on its face doesn't make sense to me. Like it just doesn't make sense. All of his arguments about like, we have to be careful not to say Black Lives Matter because it might lead to Black supremacy. What, what, let's take a ruler out. What is the measurement to get, like no one's saying, how, what is the line that you see in your mind where Black Lives Matter equates to Black supremacy? That to me says you don't understand either of those things because there is a, there, there's literature on on this idea of black supremacy. Have you read it? Do you know what you're talking about when you say that? Because it doesn't sound like you know what you're, what you're talking, like that's what I hear. It's just like, you don't, you're wading into water that's too deep and you're trying to express some command over topics that I don't think you understand. And it's hard for me to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, he's well-meaning. He cares about black families. He just wants peace. He wants, then say a simple sentence and 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 retweet uh, Cornell West. That's the best. The best. Some people just should be retweeters. You know what I mean? Like you smart by virtue of who you retweeting, and that's the way to get the the intellectual proximity. You know that you want, and you don't need to be on here theorizing. And I say that to someone who I, people have told me, you don't know what you're talking about and this is your opinion, but I don't have a million followers and I don't feel like I'm saying things that don't make sense. You can disagree, but they make sense. Yeah, I'm also not here for um, a man who is uh, you know, wealthy and, and in a privileged position trying to take away the incomes of a lot of black and brown women who actually have to make a living or are making a living that way. We could sit on our moral high horses, mm -hmm. all the time, but some of us got to go get it the best way that we can. And it's very easy to tell somebody, you ain't got to do that. 
but you don't know the reality that those people are living in. A lot of black men and brown women making money. Go That's ahead. A good point, Ida, because I'm glad you said that because for Terry Crews to be judging women for stripping, this is a man who's made a career on showing his titties. Yeah. Oh, that's he, a great point. I mean, going back to, I mean, because look, as a black man, Terry Crews, you're the stereotype that makes them afraid of us. Like when it comes to media, they have, they purposely, if you notice, they all before it was Terry Crews, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a tiny, tiny Zeus Lister. Before that, and, and I, I'm not, they, they were, they, they're totally different as far as politically. I mean, as far as the image that they put out there. There always has to be an image of the big, scary, hulking, bulk, superhuman black dude that can walk through bullets. And what that does, it, it puts in the mind that, to people's minds that, look, there are doctors out there that still believe black men don't feel pain. Right. Yeah. When it comes black to these women. images, and black women too. So but that's all reinforced through the images of these big, hulking, hulking dudes that Terry Crews plays, that has real-life ramifications on people like me. And people like Ida and people like Ambria that's going around have to live this life because people have this false perception of these superhuman black people who don't feel pain. So, of course, I had to shoot him down because, hey, he was a big Negro and I couldn't wrestle him. That All that stuff plays, plays a part of it. And Terry Crews, you, Terry Crews was at the stock market ripping his shirt off. Go back and look up the video. You talking about somebody who's crass? Nigga, you crass. <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's like Ida that is the point it's like when we talk about strip clubs automatically the the critique goes to women and women strip it's like who at the strip club what is the institution of stripping like who does that benefit I mean it does benefit women we can talk about sex work and we can talk about um, yeah. stripping we can talk about all of those things um, but that's a whole separate conversation I feel like once again his ass didn't need to wade into yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Terry Crews, to your point, Dewan, is is always trying to counter that thing that like I'm this big black guy, but I'm a teddy bear, and I'm this, and I'm and, and I wants to try to do that with black people as a whole to just we don't want black supremacy, we just want to be nice, harmony, and it's like don't tell black people that, tell white people that, like that's that's the angle of where your your critique should go. And we don't want this world where it's just everybody is a nice version of a black person. We want it to be equal representation. I want my cousin down there who, you know, is on the corner uh, being shiftless. I want him to have a space. I want me to have a space. I want black families to have a space. Just like all versions of white people get to exist. All versions of black people, all versions of people of color need to exist as well. It shouldn't be this a whitewashed version of, of, of you know, uh, 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 politics of, of respectability for Black people. And I feel like that's what he'd be trying to push for. Get out of here. We're going to go back. To, now we're going over to someone even more exciting to talk about. <laughs> Ida. After what happened in uh, Kenosha, um, the, the young, uh, the young white assassinator, assassin, assassinator. I'm so angry. I started making up words. That's what he is. He an assassinator. Don't you assassin. Yeah. Murderer, killer, um, 17 year old who got to be that. And when, you know, you think about Tamir Rice, who was murdered because they presumed that he had a weapon and he was playing mm. a gun and never got to be 15, which made me really angry. 
um, they they uh, tweeted, someone said, I want him to be my bodyguard. And Ann Coulter retweeted and said, I want him to be my president. So th this is my issue. There are com black comedians in New York and, 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 and in LA who rock with Ann Coulter and they're like, everyone deserves to have their opinion. I am at this place where I ain't fucking with anybody whose ideology is rooted in my demise and the demise of my children. So when you hear uh, Ann Coulter speak and, and you get to see people like her and Count Kelly and Conway and all of these white women who have these voices that have a big following, mm -hmm. making indictments on our people. Um, do, do you engage with that? Do you engage that? Do you, do you add her and respond to her? Do you delete her? What do you do? How do you deal with that? Because I'm at the point now where I want to start like showing up places with a bag of rocks and just started busting bitches in the head for me. This is for that dumb shit you said on Twitter yesterday, bitch. That's how I'm feeling right now. And I don't I don't want to be that because that's not who I am fundamentally. But it's it's driven me to the point now when you are up against when you feel like you are up against, you know, you're fighting for your survival, it will bring out the animal in you. Yeah. And so I don't understand why people are always criticizing us when the animal shows up when you've been fucking with us for so long. So I'm opening up and opening up the floor to you both because I need to calm down in this moment. I mean, you gonna show up with a bag of rocks? Just wear a mask, girl. Wear a real good one so they can hear how you yelling. Because I don't want you to pull it down for the mesh. Like you gotta say it through. <laughs> a good cotton mask will get the will get the, the harassment job done. Is is my advice. But I'll I'll say something that's much better after Duan. I like when Duan go first. Okay, I for me, I don't. I allow. Look. If a tree falls in the forest, doesn't make a sound. Like Ann Coulter can say what she want to say. We know she's rat suit. You know what <laughs> I mean? I don't expect anything. I don't expect a, a, a bouquet of flowers smell to come from rat suit. And so for me, it's like I don't mind them saying what they have to say because I'm opinionated too, and I got some damn thoughts, and I want to say what I got to say, and I'm funnier, and I can say it more clear than you can. So. I don't mind people saying what they have to say. It don't intimidate me. Look, it's a, it's a it's a whole range of ideas and thoughts. And at the end of the day, the reason why Ann Coulter can say what she has to say, the reason why Trump, Kellyanne Conway, and all these weirdos can say what they want to say is because there's a whole bunch of weirdos out there that believe them. And it's mm -hmm. a whole bunch of weirdos that, that listen to them. Let those weirdos be weird. Like, they're, like these are people who, when surveyed, when they when it when at when when being told that Trump and the Republican Party is no good for you financially, and they're the reason why you like have the highest welfare economies in Kentucky in white counties and things like that, and these people are poor and live in these hick towns, they're willing to take that in exchange for their racial in their head hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So let them have it. Fuck them. And they can go ahead and live in their trailer parks, drink kerosene, and smash their cousins. I don't care. I mean, that's how I felt watching Tiger King, honestly. Like, it was such a sociological, it was just a lot of emotions. And then I was analyzing, and then I started to have empathy for the. I was like, this thing they got them in there eating expired meat from Walmart. They live in squalor. Like, they don't have to live. I know you just got out of prison. You know, it's like, but so it, there was just a bunch. And then I was like, you probably voted for Trump. So, you know, it's like, well, 
if you can't see him and extrapolate that he is a source of why you are in this situation, then why, why, I need to, why do I need to, I can't, what can I do for you? So, but I don't know, I, I feel, I don't, I guess I don't have the answer for how to engage when people say things that are, because on one level it's like, okay, you're gonna say something inflammatory because that's who you are. But when those, when you can, draw a link down from those inflammatory statements to people being shot in the street, between yep. the, the turning of the tide and the culture where these people feel more emboldened and they're acting out and feel like it's okay. It's hard because it's like, oh, they feel like it's okay to say these things. But it's like, at one point they felt like it was okay to think these things. They just didn't say them. So it, it's, it, it's rough. I don't know how you... I don't know how you engage, but I, I would say you engage in a way that feels that that ultimately protects your own physical well-being and your your mental well-being. These people could say crazy shit and then go back and live lives of privilege, and we don't. You know, yeah. it's always that battle of like engage, engage, and then you know, preserve. Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to say, I, I have one question, Ida. When did uh the european war against the against the americas end what date i don't know i don't know we, we know the spanish first came north to north america in 1526 the british in 1619 we yep. know that they came and started this shit, but we never got an end date to it so what does that tell you That's still right. going on the first mm -hmm. the first step in any warfare is propaganda the mind and and defeating people the, the best way to subjugate people is to subjugate them through the mind create this false sense of superiority in one group mm -hmm. and this false sense of inferiority in the other group. And once that's created, like we like to act like this stuff was created a long ago and left alone. No, these systems refine themselves daily. And when we see these Kellyanne Conways, these people like uh, the Manet's, I forgot that Manet's bitch name, whatever her name is, that don't matter. <laughs> um, we, they're part of the issue. Let them be. And it's us to teach the kids and teach the people, look, that's how they think. When you go into the work environment, when you go out to work, when you go to the court system, these are the people you're up against. Let them be who they are. Let them talk. And just take a mental note of that and use that to how you live your life and navigate through these potholes that we call America. Because the war never ended and the war on our minds are perpetuated. We should expect these things. And should we engage them sometimes? Yeah, sometimes we should engage them. For me, it's usually with jokes. I just start roasting them, their mama and their kids, just for fun. But oh. I don't that. Leave them alone. Yeah, you do. I see you when you do it. Um, I like that. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, Scott Bale, um, Scott Bale, first of all, had all these second rights, uh, second uh, amendment people coming for me on Twitter. But we weren't even talking about the Second Amendment, right? Because I, I, I believe in having my gun, right? Mm -hmm. So we were talking about him saying that Obama was Muslim. But then what he did was he turned it into this thing about me trying to take his gun and had all these wackos. And I was just, I was working on, um, I forgot what I was preparing for. So I was like, I'm going to turn it into a writing exercise. So I just started going back and forth with them on Twitter and then, then they started blocking me because I was. I love when you do that. Because you were winning. I love when Ida does that. I'd be on Twitter like, here we go. Next, next. You started blocking me. And then Scott Bale blocked me because I would, because then uh, Gary Marshall died and I tweeted him. I said, look what you did, Chachi. You killed Gary Marshall. 
And then that then he blocked me because they, <laughs> they thought I was being disrespectful. But That's um, what you do you, you have to you do it? They don't have a problem disrespecting us. They don't have a problem uh, retweeting that George Zimmerman was selling, you know, the gun that he killed Trayvon with. Like they don't have a problem with that. And it's we always expect it to be meek and and humble. Yes. And that's yeah, like, I did that when the when the first George Floyd stuff started going off. Some country music artist who thankfully I have the I'm nice enough to protect reached out to me and tried to tried to read me my rights. And and I was like, this is the time. This you I don't go for all of them, but I pick real good ones. You know right. what I mean? I'm very selective in my in my fights. Right. And the, the, the undercurrent of his argument was that he was a white person who, he said he'd been in the struggle since 2016. <laughs> That's what he said. Some of us have been in the fight and I talked to my black friends and I met with them for breakfast. Great, you had a black breakfast once in your life and you talk about some issues and you've been in the fight since 2016. Nigga, be in the fight for 400 years. And then you can talk to me about about critiquing white people. And I think that to me was also a lesson in like, there's the Ann Coulters and the crazy Kellyanne Conways and Scott Baio's, but there's also the well-meaning white people who say they're allies and, and feel that they're allies who also hold these problematic thoughts too. And sometimes you, you have to get them together alongside the crazies. And that's why I'm like, choose your battles. Yeah, no, you have to. You gotta choose your battles, man. These people look, we have to know at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. Everyone knows they're doing. And I don't believe, my, my thing is, this: like, you, you always have that. I was in Lake Tahoe all week this week, and I was, like, the only black person out there. And I swear to God, they were looking at me and my wife like we came down here from Venus. And it's like when you out as a black dude, you always get the white dude to come over to you at the bar, and you always want to have a conversation on race. And I'm like, God damn it, you know it's coming. You see them look at you, they walk on over, over to you with the DACA shorts, and they be like, look, you know, first of all, like nice, nice Hendrix shirt. He was the first, greatest on the guitar, greatest ever. But when it comes to this race thing, I think if we just all come together and realize that not one person is better than the next, we'll be okay. And that's the thing, they always come wanting to command the conversation. Yes. You're not the expert. You need to humble yourself in this conversation. And you came over to me, nigga. I'm having a good time. And you, exactly. I'm like, no, I said, I, I said, okay, look, here's how we can solve racism. Give us reparations for everything y'all stole. And then my dad, we can talk. If you say, if, when you say that, look at their reaction and believe it. If they react and gasp and be like, hell no, believe it. If they at least consider it, now you're dealing with a friend. Because they may not have heard that before, but if they, if they don't, totally jump in shock and they, okay, let's hear this out. You might want to talk to that person again. But if they just Whoa. come out saying, no, no way, this can never happen. Then you ain't my friend because look, every time one of my people mess up, they got to go on apology tours and donate money. Mike Vick had to donate money to dog shelters. Nick Cannon just said he's about to donate his money to a Jewish center. Why everybody got to donate money when they fuck up? But the minute y'all fuck up towards us, if the state don't pay it out, y'all be like, that's the yeah. problem. That's how you feel somebody fucking with you or not. Yeah. They understand reparations for every other group that has 
yep. been harmed by this by the state, by the country, except black people. And that's what lets me know, back to my original statement, y'all implicitly know. You yep. know, you wouldn't be against it. That's right. And, and the, you know, when we have the conversation about reparations, it gets really sticky because like those of us that come from the Caribbean who are also descendants of slaves, when I say we want reparations, we don't want American people's reparations. France owes us money. The Dutch owes us money. Spain owes us money. We ain't got to come cash in on black American people's money. That's a whole different pot. We have built economies throughout the world. Puerto Rico ain't no, the name of Puerto Rico is not originally Puerto Rico. It's mm -hmm. They renamed it the rich port. The island of Borinca was the name of the island of the indigenous people that were there. They turned, they go, they go to Cuba. And that's why they hate Cuba because what, because Cuba was like, uh-uh. And regardless of what you think, because I know that their politics and, and the, and the things that have happened because I have relatives there is unjust, but uh, why do you think France hates Haiti so much? So when we have these conversations, I'm all for it. Dewan, you posted a, a meme um, and because we talk about the humility tour that Black people have to go on. Robert Horry was crying on television, talking about the pain of Black people. And, and you spoke out about how you don't think, you didn't say him specifically, but you said you don't think we should be crying on television. And I wanted to talk about that because I think that in this moment where, where we're exhibiting some, er, some strength in areas where basketball players are saying, we're not playing. We're understanding our value in the marketplace because it goes beyond just the politics. But the amount of dollars that we generate for our oppression is a very big issue. And I, I don't I don't. That's why I went off today on Instagram. I was like, stop doing business with people who fund your oppression. Right. You have to start saying what you got on the survival of my kids. So um, there's activism and there's you know, there's this performative activism that we keep seeing. What is I want us to talk about that because Robert Horry did cry. Um, there was some more people who spoke. Kenny, uh, Kenny the Jet walked off the set in, in solidarity with the basketball players, which I respect him for because he was. I'm tired of all lives matter, Black Lives Matter analogies. I don't do them anymore. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what, do you, how do you feel about that? Because it, it is, it is hard to watch a black man crying on television, and, and begging and pleading for them to see us. Have we reached the point? I have. Have we uh, reached the point where we can can no longer continue to beg for them to see us and demand our demand what's rightfully ours? Um. Yeah, that whole crying thing. No, that's not it. That's not it. You can't be over here crying. Look, black people, we've if you, we've shown our humanity, you know what I mean? We've already shown that, you know, when you look at America's greatest orators of peace is greatest. They're all black. When, when you're talking about Frederick Douglass, whether you're talking about the first black, the first person to die, the American Revolution, Christmas addicts was a black person. You know, the person who, you know, when it came to all of our inventions, like we didn't invent guns. We invented the air condition. You know what I mean? We didn't invent missiles. George Washington Carver, while while their scientists were inventing during World War II, they were inventing uh, uh, these 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 atomic bombs. George Washington Carver was inventing additive additives to rubber to help put tires on the vehicles. because Germany shut down all the rubber plants during World War II. You know, we had Garrett Moore. We, we we invented gas masks. Like, there's nothing about us that's ever shown that we're not a humane people. So, if you're going to a appeal to these people you cannot do it through crying and trying to show even more 
that you're more hum humane. What's more humane than someone who don't even want to shoot you back after you kill our family? You don't need you don't need to cry. We have war. This is a propaganda war going on right now. And it happened a few years ago. Like if people don't see it, Van Jones was crying, Angela Rye was crying a few years ago. It's like, look, power respects power. Power does not respect weakness. You're not going to get power to listen to you through crying. Racism isn't personal. It's a war. It's strategy. It's business. It has to be approached and solved like you would solve any other math problem. It's a problem. When you get a quadratic equation intrigued, you don't cry about the problem because it got four variables. You solve the fucking problem. We don't have time to be talking about something we scared. No. Stop that. That's on one level. And I'm, I'm going to shut up after I said this one last point. Read this book called The Turner Diaries. Read Camp of the Saints. These are books that white supremacists, that they read. Timothy McVeigh had, the, had, had, had that book when he bombed Oklahoma City. That little boy that, that shot up that church, he was reading Camp of the Saints. They tell you in their literature that they go after soft targets. When you're a soft target, when you're crying, when you're weak, when you're meek, that's why they go in the church and shoot people in those environments because they like soft targets. They don't want nobody that's going to fight back. When you cry all the time, you present the group as a soft target. Stand up. Cry with your mama. Cry with your kid. Cry alone. And then when you get in front of that camera, speak some damn truth to power and grow some nuts. I mean, I like, I, I like using those moments to speak truth to power. I can't tell people how to express their emotions because a lot of crying is about rage more than it is about sadness. I know that, like I know when you be so angry and frustrated that it comes out in tears, even if it's fear um, or righteous anger. Um, I think there is something also that's just very American and ridiculous about sticking a camera in somebody's face in the middle of a tragedy. But that's a separate argument. That's just how <laughs> we do things that fly in the face of humanity. We are an inhumane country. So <laughs> expecting humanity in moments of tragedy is, I mean, you can't expect it. Um, I'm with you, Ida, on, on, on removing yourself and removing your body from systems of, of capitalism that, that, that profit off of you so long as you comply. Um, I also know, on the other hand, that's this tricky. If you are privileged in a privileged position to where you can do that, yep. then you need to you need to consider that. You need to consider that and 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 understand that it is a sustained thing. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm more. I want to hear more because you 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 went on about this this morning, and I was right yep, there because sure. it's basketball. Right. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't have millions of followers. I don't have millions of dollars. I don't have $1 million. Right. And I'm willing to put it on the line for the greater good of our people. Right. Because I think that what's the point of sitting at the fucking table. If you sitting at that bitch by yourself, surrounded by motherfuckers who hate you deep down inside. So for me like that, that cognitive dissonance or, or, or Stockholm syndrome, whatever you want to classify it is as, 
it really bothers me. So when I ha I have people who I know are wealthy and rich and famous and have opportunities and they sit at the tables with these people and I'm like, are you asking them what you doing? What what are you doing? Because for me at this point, allyship is you laying down your privilege for the so that my children can have equality and and can survive. Cuz it's not we're not even asking for perks. We're asking for basic survival at this point, right? So you want to call yourself an ally? I don't give a shit if you if you got a Black Lives Matter sign on your window. You just trying to keep that bitch from getting broken. I'm Listen, it was so many businesses that put up them signs, and I was like, didn't you just profile me in this goddamn store two weeks ago? Well, Black Lives Matter? Okay. I'm okay. They paint Hollywood Boulevard Black Lives Matter on in front of a bunch of clubs black people can't get into except for once a week. That was I don't want to hear none of that crap. Thing when when you know Laugh Factory put up a mural, I was like, okay, this is your marker of accountability. You can't have no big ass mural of black people and 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 put four black comics up a week. Yeah, you can you can't save all the black comics for Negro Night and the Latin comics for Refried Bean Night and then say Black Lives Matter and then put one. The, the only black comics you put up during the week are on like major network programs now. Yeah. yeah. Can't do that. But like places. And 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 I'm really I'm willing because to me, like I, I have a, a white friend that said who has kids, and she was like, Well, what is allyship? I said, You have to be willing to give up your privilege for the sake of my children. And that's the only way you can be an ally in my eyes, because you you speaking. You gotta put your you gotta put your money where your mouth is, and for me, that is what uh, what allyship is gonna mean. Because how many white people do we know that are sitting around saying, "Yeah, this is horrible." You know, I got my I got I did my hashtag. I put my black thing up. That that uh, that doesn't do anything for the to uh, to ensure that Omar can walk down the fucking street without getting a gun pulled on him at 12 years old and ask where he's going when he's coming home from school. And that's what happened to my kid. And it had a gun in his face, on his knees, coming home from school, a kid that's been reading since he was three and deemed gifted. But he wasn't gifted at that moment. At that moment, all they saw him was, uh, was a piece of meat that they could extinguish because he is subhuman to them. So you want to be an ally? I don't want to have those conversations anymore. We're not going to sit around and do analogies about Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, the ideology versus the Black bit, the, the organization. Mm -hmm. Right. Conversations? That means you don't truly, you ain't with it. Yeah. That's how I feel. You know and what I do, Ida? When they say, okay, what can I do to be an ally? I say, okay, Mobilize politically the same way you mobilize when a dog is harmed. My thing is this: all this, all this Black Lives Matter stuff, all this stuff is fake hustle. If you're my ally, you're gonna do what you did when, with, with that judge up in San. Look up the Brock Turner case in San Francisco, uh, mm -hmm. up near San Francisco a few years ago. When that judge gave that man that that white man six months for rape, the community mobilized and got that judge removed from office. Yep. So that shows me that you already know what to do politically when you see the BS. Right. So when you see the BS, don't march with me and then go ahead and support a politician that's known for putting us back in prison and giving us these long football numbers for, for, for spinning a piece of toast. So if you want to be my ally, break your code of conduct. 
tell me what y'all say about us when we ain't around. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Do that. And and the reality, oh, so oh, so many things. White people don't know how to be allies because they don't spend enough time in regular communion with black people and people of color. I have so many friends who I grew up with all my whole life, white people who reached out to me. Oh my God, I had no idea. You lived your whole life alongside me and never knew anything about my interior life. You still don't know how to do community with black people because you never tried. But you do, to Dewan's point, you do know how to organize politically when there's something that you care about. So those same things that you do when it's a separate cause, you know how to do when it comes to race and racism. You don't actively want to do it because you don't, to Ida's point, want to give up your privilege. White people who have an understanding of, of what they have as a consequence of a series of privileges in addition to your own hard work, because that was just such a narrative of the RNC. Individualism, what you've earned, you, your work, you, 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 you separating it from a, from the entire context in which this country was built um, is a falsehood. White people who have an understanding of that and don't personalize that are more apt to be allies and understand that like what I have is not just a concept is not just a consequence of like my own uh, exceptionalism. It's yep. a consequence of like advantages of an accumulation of advantages that I have received over the course of my life. So. It's like somebody just said what Gabrielle Howard said, you still asking how I shampoo my hair. <laughs> and you are supposed to be my friend. Yeah. And you have no, no idea about what my life is like on, on a real level. And I think that that's, to me, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in, in, is this how white people do friendships and do community with each other? Because maybe that is just a consequence of like this exceptionalism, this individualism is like black people and people of color tend to have more of a collective, you know, uh, sense of community. And maybe and maybe that is just like a deficit in 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 certain cultures, like among white people that you don't you don't do that. You don't have that sense of responsibility toward other people that is directly tied to capitalism which is tied to patriarchy and, and, and all the bullshit. All the bullshit goes back to capitalism. So you right about that, Ambria. Yeah. It's like read read for those who want to read read Civilization of Barbarism by Dr. Sheikh and the Job, anthropological study on the cultural differences between the African, the Asian, and the the Caucasian mindset as far as our relationships to one another and our relationships to objects. I advise people to read that. One last thing I want to say is uh when it comes to that topic is that we have to understand that they they have a way that you know when you're when you, when you that that they get down that sometimes like we as black people as people of earth native americans we're very communal people we grew up in very resource rich environments and we're dealing with people who come from a resource deprived environment they have a different way of seeing life and i'm not here to judge it as bad or indifferent i'm just here to say that is what it is and we see it play out through the way people interact and treat one another mm -hmm. my only message to white people is this and white society this white is a false label that was given to you just like black was a false label given to us um there are two times in this country that we all came together and fought and almost won first one was bacon's rebellion in the 18 in the 1680s whites and blacks got together and they almost overthrew the continental government over uh over a bunch of bs that's when the government realized that hey if i keep white people and black people on the same field they're going to throw us over. So we got to give white people a few more resources than we give the Negroes.
Then it happened again in the 1890s with the Populist Party. Look it up. The Populist Party was a party of uh, working class blacks and whites that got together and they almost got the Democrats and the Republicans out of office in the election of 1892. What does that do? It shows that when we as a people focus on the people who are really stealing from us, we're going to get what we want, all of us. But it takes a group to set aside these insecurities, these thoughts that were propagandized into you by the same government that don't want you uniting with us when it comes to getting resources. When it comes to black people, I'm saying don't hold our breath waiting on that day to happen. Sure, It's on us to solve our own issues. And when we have allies, they will show themselves through their actions, not through a mural on the streets. Agreed. A hundred percent agree. That's why I like you, Dewan. I It do be hotep ish. As soon as I think I'm about to walk into some bullshit, you you redeem it. Like yeah. you know, hoteps like to ask you open ended questions. Like, okay, so yeah. when before you be like, oh shit. That's what I say. Ish. We we into the knowledge, but I'm not. I'm not meatless. You see how fat I am. I'm eating pork for breakfast. Shit. Yeah. I was like, okay. I'll be waiting for the for the ball to drop, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, we have morning. I'll call them in the mornings, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, you said this," and we have these conversations. So we got to get out of here. But I, one thing that I did want to to um, talk about was, and I would love to hear your your thoughts on. In this moment, there's so many things happening, constantly being triggered and stimulated. I mean, everywhere we go. They, we are reminded of what's happening in the world and young people are struggling with, you know, the, this moment in, in their own mental health. How do we um, how do we uplift and protect our young in an, in the climate that is constantly reminding them that their lives don't matter as much? And both of you have studied. You both are educated, um, you know. Ambria, you're a doctor, right? You're a doctor. Not a medical doctor, but yeah. No, no, I know, but you are a doctor, right? You no, have I say that because I don't want nobody else's medical questions coming my way. Sure, I'm sure, because they will send you, they will send them to you. I would love for you to both just chime in on that as we exit because I believe in the village. This uh, and my word this week has been tabuti, because that is the Swahili word for village. And I just think that where we come from and what, and as the Juan said, how we move with respect to our elders. And so, you know, I'm writing about that. It's cultural for us. Our preservation has been about protecting all of us, not just the young and the new or the rich or the, the educated. How do we, how do we build up our young in this moment? What, are, what, what do we tell them? Dewan. Okay. I want to start off by, by quickly plugging. Uh, breakthroughas.org. You can find. I have a full curriculum that I uh, in, in in workshops that I do with parents, parents, tips and tricks on raising your uh, your black child in the racist society. And when I say black child, I mean this is for anyone who's interested in how to raise your child in the racist society. I specifically say black because we're the most underserved, and so I want to make sure I target it and make clear that's what we're talking about here. But it's basically it's good for anyone because what's what's good for us is good for everyone. Like it's always been throughout American history. Um, problem is, uh, since I've been giving these tips and tricks, Ida, I've been e-platformed. Um, mm. uh, my my podcast on iTunes is called it's called Communication Communication Solutions um, with Dewan Brown. 
we talk about these things. Um, Facebook took my page down and they didn't give any reason. All I do is talk, all I do is have podcasts on how to raise your black children and Facebook just deplatformed it with no, with no, no cussing, nothing. They just give me no information. Also, my website has been kind of like taken down. It's been, I've been, I've been getting attacked on my website ever since I've created my, um, how to raise a black child, a child in a racist society. So, um, one thing we can do is we got to tell them the truth. And this is what I preach on my show. When you guys listen to it, we got to talk the truth, 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 truth. Kids can handle the truth. One years old, six months old, seven years old. Tell them the truth about the environment that you're in. Don't be afraid because they see it anyway. Tell them the truth. These kids are smart, man. We tell them the truth. We tell them what it is. They'll figure it out and start putting two and two together. We have to, as people, get our own knowledge up so then we can impart that knowledge to the children. School needs to, like, one of the blessings of this COVID thing is homeschooling. Like, homeschooling is, 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 is rough right now, but we should have never gotten out of teaching our own kids. You know, teaching your own kids should be, school should be supplementing what you can't do because you're at work, but you should already be teaching them anyway. We got to take these things upon ourselves. Uh, for more information and more help, for right now, go to hotepish.com. Um, when my breakthrough website gets back up, when I'm done with whoever is trying to hack my stuff, when it comes down to me spreading this information to our people, uh, I'll have the website back up. Um, but go to hotepish.com, get on the email list, and then we'll we'll give you an email when these programs are going to be back up because it's a full curriculum. It's a lot going on. Uh, and we need to talk about these things. And so I provide that. I've seen this as an issue. So I, I created that platform to solve the problem. I like that. I mean, on an individual level, I've taken upon myself to every time I see a young black girl to speak something positive, whatever I see in any moment, I'm yelling out the street. People probably think I'm crazy. <laughs> but hair is beautiful, girl. You know what I mean? Just anything, anything positive, I think, is my focus just in an instantaneous moment. Because I remember what those moments were like for me growing up to have people who I looked up to, who probably had no idea, um, or just strangers tell me something positive to reaffirm what I knew inside about myself. Um, so I feel like that's a small thing. Outside of that, um, I'm linked with other mental health organizations that uh, serve black women and young black girls. Um, so there's more information about that. You can talk to me on my page at underscore Ambria. Um, and then just the people, investing in the people in your life um, in, in the ways that they need. I think that's what's hard is we always, I know I used to be like this, like, I want to help you how I want to help you. You're going to sit down and read this book. People are like, I really just want you to sit here with me and eat these snacks. I don't want to hear about uh, my homework right now. Like, just sit with me, just be with me. I think giving your time is the hardest thing. Um, but now we have the opportunity to do it. So I think listening listening to young people and what they're going through. Um, that has been, um, that I've learned a lot through that process and in that process of being quiet, they tell you more than when you probe for it usually, so. I love it. So I, I say often that I want uh, people to come back to the show, but I honestly want you guys to come back um, because I, I like tackling the headlines with both of you because you have your distinct point of views and uh, and and it's funny. It's like people are laughing. It's, it's not so heavy, um, you know. When 
with when you talk to people who are smart and can process things through a joke. Please tell everyone how they can support you, how they can find you. And um, yeah, tell them. Duane, you got you got a laundry list. I'm seeing. I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, generally, my website for my company is breakthroughas.org. Anyone listening to this show, maybe a week from now, you're going to find everything back up on that website because I finally got it back from the hackers or whatever. And uh, so we, you're going to find that up. But that's part that's part of the thing. When you when you want to solve the issues of your people, you know, you got to deal with it, whatever. Find me at break. But in the meantime, find me at hotepish.com. Is this what is the way it's spelled here without the dash? Hotepish.com. Intelligent ish talk. Intelligent shit talk. Every Thursday, 8 o'clock. That's what we talk about. Ida's been on before. I can't wait to have her on again. I need to have Ambry on. We yes, talk about all this good stuff. And we talk about this news. And, you know, I may offend people if I do. I don't care. But it's, it's about the people who need to hear the information. And I love people. I don't. I, I love people from my heart. Not everything I do is from love. But it's going to be some offense. But, hey, it's all love. Like I said, hotepish.com. I love that. Um, I'm at underscore Ambria, A-M-B-E-R-I-A. Yes, there is an E there. My mama black, she put it in there for no reason. Silent E, A-M-B-E-R-I-A on Instagram. That's where you can get in touch with all of my content. And I just want to say thank you to Ida for one, having me, not just today, but just in general, you've been an ally since I started comedy. And you know. that's very rare. That is very rare. And allyship takes on a, a, a bunch of different forms. It's particularly in comedy, it's a very individualized thing where you're focused on your own stuff. Um, but even in your own grind, you manage to reach out. It, I always knew you were a supporter in, in various different ways. Um, so thank you for that. This conversation made me feel better about this very, very awful week. Um, thank you for that as well. Dewan, thank you for that as well. I can close it out. Always uplift the names of people, of my people, and I, I consider you both my people. And I just Thank think you. when I saw you, I was like, oh, she's brilliant and she's funny. Because the problem we have in comedy is like, it's the motherfuckers who are geniuses, but you see them perform and you're like, what a joke at? And you are able to do that. And I think it's important for us to have a spectrum. Everybody can't be talking about how awesome their pussy is. We need somebody. And you can. And that's fine. Yeah. We Everybody need a place. I talk about how awesome mine is. But it's going to be buried in maybe a joke about sex, tra sex trafficking. You got to a pussy joke for me. Okay? <laughs> and that's what we need. So I just want to say uh, thank you to you both for being who you are to me. Because... It, we need a village and import, and people are loving this show. And I just think people need to hear your voices and know who you are because you you speak it. So we'll be back um, next week. And I will I will text you both because I want to have you come back so we can talk about these things. Thank, Thank you, Ida. You've been great. I, I want to ditto what Ambria said. You've always been a real one. Keep doing what you do. She goes on the Breakfast Club and it don't change nothing up. We need more of that. You're the same on Main Street as you are on Broad Street. Mm -hmm. And I love you and I appreciate you. Love you back. All right, guys. We thank you so much for the support. Make sure you go and follow, support their platforms. I'm looking at the comments as I'm talking to y'all and I see the love. So that love is beautiful, but it is rhetoric without action. So make sure you take action and you go support these people of color who are doing the things that a lot of others are not doing. So have a beautiful weekend and we'll see you next week.
yes.